The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Glad you joined us today. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune, sans Ellie Wharton. Ellie is doing a couple administrative function things right now, but we'd like to welcome you to Intune, which is a two-hour weekly broadcast. We focus and reflect on issues that impact and connect our community and the greater St. Louis area, and we talk about things like the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. In front of me are two famous people from the Webster Kirkwood Times. We have Dwight Bitkoffer who is the publisher of the Webster Kirkwood Times, and Don Corrigan, who is the editor of the Webster Kirkwood Times. Gentlemen, welcome to In Tune. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. Well, thanks for your invite, Arnold. We, um, you know, this is the 40th anniversary of a a, a paper that has uh, endured the, uh, how a, any business starts, where you're really involved in doing everything, to the point now you have, what, over 25 employees? About 26, yeah, that's what we are at currently. And and three newspapers, the Webster Kirkwood Times, the, let me get this right here. South County Times. South County Times. And, and West, West End, End Word. West End Word, right. Yes. So let's let's talk a little bit about, you know, over 40 years, you've, you've seen a lot, you've heard a lot, you've done a lot. Talk about the origins of the paper and how that kind of kicked off and and why that kicked off that way and... How did that come about? Well, there were several of us who were older students at Webster College, now Webster University, who worked together in the student newspaper. And uh, J.B. Lester uh, was one of those, and uh, uh, we all graduated about a semester apart. So J.B. Lester, Maureen Ziegel, and I started the Webster Times, it was called then, and July of 1978, uh, JB graduated and rented this little writing studio in the Gorlock building and decided we were going to do a newspaper and decided I was going to help him. Uh, I had been business manager of the student paper, um, and uh, which included selling advertising for the student paper. So, uh, so we started, and uh, we started as a monthly um, and put out a paper in July of July 13, 1978, and put out another one in August. Then I think we had a combined September October issue or something. At, but that was the time when Don Don Corrigan came to teach at uh, at Webster College and teach journalism at Webster College. And I met Don one day at Belcher Typewriter's store on Lockwood, uh, uh, and uh, Don came over and checked out the paper and decided to write a story yeah we were both high-tech guys uh, (laughs) so typewriters were like you know something that we both loved and that was the beginning of a bond with the newspaper yes electric typewriters were the real 
Well, Cadillac. The, I think most of the time these were, were, these were manual. These were manual. <laughs> I had a little manual oh, wow. Smith Corona yeah. portable. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, an experience because I'd just come down from Lewis University in South Chicago area where I started the newspaper with some friends there, and I said, never again will I be doing two jobs. And no sooner did I get to St. Louis than I met Dwight in the typewriter store, and he goes, hey, you want to come and uh, do some writing for us? And I said, well... You know, maybe I'll do a feature occasionally, but it uh, wasn't long before we were all involved in the newspaper business together, and, and uh, it's been a great ride for 40 years now. If I remember correctly, your first story was of uh, Tony Saputo, the shoe man. Uh, it was a shoe repair guy at yeah. Lockwood. But, uh... Yeah, I kind of fudged on that one because I'd done a shoe repair man up in uh, the Chicago area, so it was easy for me to whip that story off quickly. But, so, uh, so when you do things like that and you and you say well, we're going to start a paper and you've got a typewriter you know in reporting or writing stories or selling ads and things like that it's all part of that but then there's the printing there's the distribution portion how did you go about getting all the printing done and the typeset and because it wasn't like it is nowadays correct um we uh we went over and talked to uh, uh, a printer in Waterloo, Illinois, and I don't remember why we chose him, but um, but uh, and uh, he was he was encouraging. Uh, we had to come up with upfront money. He wasn't going to wasn't going to give us credit. You know, we had to pay for the first first issue of printing, and uh, so. Uh, yeah, I think JB came up with a little bit of money, and we borrowed a little bit of money from JB's mom, and and so we had money to pay for the upfront printing. But we had our advertising sales had to match at least what it was costing us to for printing and typesetting. Typesetting was done. Um, there was somebody and had a shop in the basement of a house on uh, South Rock Hill Road uh, that had uh, he had uh, these compugraphic photo typesetters and uh, so he did the we took our our typed pages from our typewriters down to him and they re-keyboarded them into the the t- photo typesetter and set up galleys for our pages that we then pasted up with uh hot wax and pasted up on the on the layout sheets from the printer and yeah the and, worst the worst aspect of that was doing the corrections because we'd proofread it and then we'd have to go back and have the corrections made at the typesetting business and then we'd have to get exacto knives and we'd have to you know cut out one sentence lines and then try to paste them uh evenly and it was an ordeal putting out a newspaper back then uh it's not like now where you've got the max and you can correct things on the screen and print things out. This was, a, I mean, this was nitty gritty, getting your hands in the wax and trying to get stuff pasted up straight. You know? And same with the ads. I mean, you would have to, you'd use border tape to, you know, outline the ads and then you'd try to get, you know, the little copy blocks exactly straight in on the ads. Yeah, there were many evenings we were up there pasting things up past midnight and, uh, Fortunately, we had Pika the cat to keep us uh, company when we were Yeah, we had an office cat for a number of years. And Pika. <laughs> yeah. was, was there an elite also? <laughs> no, we never got elite. Uh, but, uh, there were no elites in our office. <laughs> You're listening to In Tune, uh, KWRHLP, Arnold Stricker with Dwight Bittekoffer and Don Corrigan. We're talking about the Webster Kirkwood Times, which uh, Dwight said the first issue rolled off the presses July 13th, 1978. And for our folks listening, it's the premier source for community news 
in the St. Louis area, the Webster Kirkwood Times, South County Times, the West End Word, total circulation, 90,000 households, independently owned and operated for more than 35 years, and it's the largest independently owned chain of newspapers in the St. Louis area. Gentlemen, that's that's a great feather in your cap. Independently owned for 40 years. For 40 years, yes. yes. I mean, I, yeah, I, that's this is an old this is old old type. They're speaking about type sure. type mistakes. Forty years, yeah, because we're celebrating the fortieth year yes. at the top of the paper there. Well, a lot of our success has to be because of the decline in all the other newspapers that were around us. I mean, for a time we were competing with the suburban journals, which is a pretty formidable operation. They were, you know, the largest uh, weekly newspaper in the entire United States. Um, so that's what we were up against. And then they made a series of, of mistakes, and we kept the emphasis on local, local, local. And uh, I think that's been the key to our success. Yeah, that's an interesting point because the journal started to kind of go a little bit more national news or be like a competitor with the Post-Dispatch. Is that a fair statement? Well, they sold out to uh, – I mean, it was local. You had the, uh, the Donleys and uh, another – Group. Yeah, there were two groups, yeah. a North group and a South group. Was and it Nordman? Nordman, I think, did. The I don't Nord- remember which is which. Right, right. And, the, and then they sort of combined. But then they sold to Ralph Ingersoll, and he's the one that then um, tried to compete uh, with the Post. And I think he bought the Globe, and uh, he, he had all these highfalutin ideas of how he was going to compete and run the Post-Dispatch out of business. But instead, he kind of like ran the ran suburban journals into the ground yeah. so that was good for us but every time we see newspapers in decline i i don't think that we've ever been gleeful about well, it. lee lee enterprises bought the suburban journals yeah. eventually lee enterprises who now owns the post dispatch uh, yeah when it. ingersoll left the area okay so you make this uh kind of getting back to the the printing you you make your corrections you've got your exacto knives out you're <laughs> taping and gluing and getting everything corrected then, then you take it over to I drive it over to the printer. Okay, and I would wait over there for them to print it, and then load it up and bring it back here. So everything they have folding machines, and yes. you know, kind of yeah. like you see the yeah. old time movies where it's running off the presses like that, and folds them all and puts them in these nice little. Uh, uh, well, yeah, that's still that still happens. Yeah, have you I seen mean, the movie The Front Page? It's like you know, stop the presses. There's a great scoop breaking somewhere you know we we've never had to actually do that though though where we've had a late breaking story where we've had to stop the presses but we have had to uh delay we've delayed a couple times going to the printer for a late breaking story but uh not by but just by a couple hours but uh. if you've got a question you want to ask uh Dwight or Don, uh, you can text us at 314-736-4510, 314-736-4510. So when you get the papers that are hot off the press, um, are they bundled up? And then, you know, I know right now we get them, they're in plastic and they're thrown. Uh, how did you do it back then? Did I, I, I read something where you piled them into a couple VW bugs. and The, the very first issue fit in, uh, yeah, was a 12-page, 12-page paper. I think we had... Uh, Fifteen thousand of them, and and we stuffed them into two VW bugs, and uh, then uh, took them to a distributor. Uh, we started out with a distributor who did uh, door hanger service. No, we started out in the mail, and then went to a door hanger service, and then, like in nineteen eighty, we started going with individual carriers, or maybe seventy nine, we started going with individual carriers, and 
independent contractor carriers that would bag the papers and throw them on lawns and driveways. We've sort of tried every circulation method known to man, so, uh, and I think that's one of the things that happens when you kind of start your own business and you're kind of learning while you're going. But uh, it's always been interesting. Uh, we, we could probably tell some good stories about circulation and the issues that we had at the, at the beginning of the period. In 1980, we had, a, had somebody that came to us and said, oh, we can, we can, do, we can just deliver the paper, you know, for a lot less money than what you're paying to deliver it now. And so they thought they could do the whole thing. We were still every two weeks at that point. Um, and uh, then there was this one issue that just didn't get delivered. And uh, we, an attorney friend and I went out to this guy's house and could see him all bagged and piled in the basement, but not distributed. Oh my gosh. And we, we finally don't remember exactly what, we got permit anyway. We eventually got them out of the basement and distributed them ourselves. Uh, and uh, that's a fond memory. We were, we were <laughs> how long did that we take? Were, we were like throwing out the window, and I kept hitting my arm on the rearview mirror, oh, and I'm going over over a couple of days. <laughs> wow. And you know the streets very well there, too. You know where all the turns are and the dead ends. Well, we got to meet a lot of our readers, too, because <laughs> they were out in the front yard wondering where the paper was. So what's what's how was the response right away to um, did, did people call? Did they write? How did you know how people felt? Um, you know, you, you obviously didn't see a lot of them laying on lawns uh, afterwards. Uh, we cultivated a lot of contacts through Chambers of Commerce, uh, Kirkwood and Webster Chambers of Commerce. So we would get feedback from talking to people and certainly the, the business people that had enough confidence in us to do some advertising. We got feedback from them and, you know, we got feedback from, you know, our, our readership. We started hearing from people. Our phone would ring or, you know, we had, you know start out with one line and then two lines you know uh, yeah we, we've never been <laughs> at a bank of phones we've never been at a loss for letters to the editor and you can and that holds true from the time we started to this day i mean you can tell what, by looking at the letters page and that's one of the most read things in the paper yes uh, i know people that wait for the times because they want to see who's spouting off this week that's where they something. turn first <laughs> yeah. or, or where they go now online mm-hmm. to look and and see what's going on there now what um if you could go back and knowing what you know now, uh, what lessons have you learned in starting that you would do differently? Maybe name that cat elite or? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, I'd get a good psychiatrist. I think. <laughs> uh, that would have helped, some therapy. But actually, it, it, there's so much involved in, in doing it that the time just flies, you know? And it's, it's, we, we both scratch our heads and say, how could we? How could it be forty years that we've been doing this now? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you must be enjoying what you're doing. It's. I think it's a lot of fun, and I I enjoy the the repartee with readers. I was, you know, just this morning I got like four or five phone calls from people about different things. Uh, that story that we have about the ant farm in Webster Groves. I got several calls on that from people who say, "Hey, I want to." I want to meet my buddy again from those days. Can you give me his phone number and stuff? So. <laughs> yeah. Dwight, any thoughts for you on lessons that you would maybe do differently or, or to somebody, some budding person out there, some budding journalist who's like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to start a newspaper also, not to compete against you guys. 
You I know. can give you some advice on that. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I try. You know, my, my kids, they uh, both majored in journalism, and I, I cautioned them constantly. And, and uh, they went ahead and did it anyway. So, you know, one's a sports editor um, at a weekly newspaper in mid-Missouri, and then, then uh, my daughter's an uh, uh, editor in uh, business journalism. So I couldn't talk them out of it. But uh, but but that that would be uh, I would have you said what what would you do differently I would have been stronger with my kids and said are you crazy? But the stuff's in the blood though. It is it is kind of in yeah. the blood. I've got I've got one son who who works for us. Uh, um, he does not have a degree in journalism, but he's uh, he's currently our distribution manager. Uh, he's been with us about two years, and you know he's he's interested in the business and. Uh, I th- you know I think what's useful for us is is just the whole local thing and staying local and that's you, you see so many newspapers around the country having problems and um, I really think that's what happened to a lot of bigger newspapers is they they forgot what their mission is and they did different things with cost cutting and it's it's hurt the product um, and being local is so important. There's a, there's a, a letter in the Post Dispatch today that writes about how they they wish the paper was doing more local things. And I'm, I'm not knocking the Post because I got a lot of friends there, but uh, you know I think I think that's so important. And, and Dwight is so active in the community, and there's Jazz Fest coming up, and that's been something that he's worked on for long. We all tr- we all try to be involved in the community, and I would say uh, Dwight has been particularly good at that. You know, and, and there's that's an interesting comment that you make because there's a lot of you can't know everything going on in the community unless you're involved in everything, and then you can't possibly do that either. So to get some news about what's happening in another section of the community or another section of the larger community in the greater St. Louis area, like there are things that are listed sometimes. Like I've been at a restaurant and I see the West End word pick that up very similarities but some different stories because you're covering a different area but it's nice to know of of the the stories like this one on the front page i had i had no clue about the ant farm you know you you get a little history you get a little bit more knowledge and like you said some people make contacts with people that uh they maybe forgot about or lost touch with along the way but it, it is it, there's good stories in there there's there's hard news in there there's the editorials uh uh, the letters to the editor, there's the ad. So, you know, the building and the keeping the cons- consistency of a community, I think, is a uh, the backbone of, of one of those things is the paper because it, it really uh, covers all kinds of areas. It covers the arts. It covers crime. So you really kind of are, are like a nerve center to keep the community vibrant and keep it focused on, on, on itself and how to keep it uh, alive. Uh, I, I belong to the, uh, to the International Society of Weekly Newspaper Editors, and they had three or four of their newspapers go out of business just in the last year. And they're talking about what happens to those communities when the paper's gone. You know, there isn't the watchdog on how your tax money's being used at City Hall, you know, what city councils and boards of aldermen are doing. Um, there's not as much cohesion in, in community activities. I mean, the people really... Uh, take a take ownership of, for example, our calendar, and the, and if they're not in the calendar, if their release didn't get in, they let us know, and they're upset, 
and you know i i'm tempted to say hey this is a free service man <laughs> but but boy it's amazing how how people scold us if their chart or their item for the calendar didn't make it into the paper but it's also good because you see that people are actually paying attention to the calendar right other sections right. of the paper right, right. But, you know, I mean, it all gets back to, you know, the only thing that makes this paper possible is the advertisements. That's what pays the bill. That's what carries the freight. And the best thing that people can do for us is to shop local and to let people know when they see their ads in the Webster Kirkwood Times, you know, that they are responding to that that information that uh, that the that they have paid to to put in there um, that is that's the key to survival is if we continue to have advertising support and reader support of advertisers it's a it's a two way street and uh, we we have to have that you know that's why I'm always saying shop local shop local. Amazon is not our friend. Right. Um, um, the uh, uh, there's they're a, a river. <laughs> there's a there's an organization out of uh, Minnesota called Three Fifty Project, and uh, they developed to support brick and mortar businesses. And they say that um, small businesses, brick and mortar businesses, about um, I'm don't I'm trying to pull this out of memory, but um, something like sixty percent of that revenue goes back into the community. It might even be a higher percentage than that um, if it's a locally owned business, um, a national chain business that's located in your community. Maybe thirty-five, forty percent of that goes back to the community. You buy online, zero goes right. back to the community. Right. There's no tax money. There's no right. Um, right. The object itself that you're purchasing or things like that. You yeah. know, and, and I I see the beauty of you know I like to read the classified ads. You know, like to see the services that are offered there and the people within the community, just like you're talking about, who have some uh, like skilled labor kinds of things. The craftsmen. Um, yes. There's there's roofing, carpentry. You know, lawn. Lawn things to an abundance, especially in Webster Groves. Uh, the housing kinds of ads, they're all very, uh, they are all focused locally. And it's nice, and I really appreciate what you said there, Dwight, about buying locally because you are supporting your community. You're keeping your community going because you can't possibly uh, spend that money outside the community or out of the state or out of the country mm -hmm. and expect that the services that you have come to know are going to continue the way they are because that just doesn't happen. So you're listening to uh, a discussion we're having with uh, Don Corrigan and Dwight Bittekoffer from the Webster Kirkwood Times. We're going to get into more a little bit after the break about uh, them personally and, and their journeys to this point of the 40th anniversary of, of the Webster Kirkwood Times. But uh, you're listening to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker of In Tune. KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker on KWRHLP 92.9. We have our guest in studio, Don Corgan and Dwight Bittekoffer from the Webster Kirkwood Times, celebrating 40 years of a great paper. And off air, we were talking about the importance of really understanding that whole publishing process and getting a paper going. And I mentioned off air that you guys were probably taking the pictures back then, developing them. You were doing everything and understanding nowadays how a paper is rolled out when it's rolled out on a, a, a MacBook and the, you know, that copy is sent then to the, the printer, uh, understanding the quote-unquote old-school type really gives you a publishing, not a history, but it, the, the intricacies of really making it work. You guys want to comment on uh, back from our off-air discussion there? Well, we still like to see the paper product printed out, laid out. We still still have the old layout boards, and uh, we still just spread all those pages out and take a good look at them. You know, have try to have everybody in the office look at them. You know, before they're electronically sent to the printer, and just to get that visual image. We can, I think, we can see corrections and find mistakes. You know, more easily that way than just on the screen. And you're, you're also looking for balance visually, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, some of the journalism students that we get in as interns that are younger and they're electronically based, they're sort of amazed when they come back and they see all these boards back there. But like Dwight says, that, that gives the opportunity for a lot more eyes to look at those pages and make corrections. And, uh, you know, there's always been a certain antipathy for advertisers, advertising salespeople getting involved in the editorial process. But I appreciate when the ad people come by and they say, hey, this is wrong. Hey, my kid plays on the soccer team and I think this coach's name's misspelled. The more eyes, the better. And that wouldn't happen if we didn't have that laid out all, all over the uh, production room. That's that's very interesting. And it, and it shows that you guys are, accept uh, input from those who you work with. And you're Certainly. just not kind of quote unquote lording it over them as the editor or publisher. Like you know, you have to you know stay in your position. Yeah, as... when I when I was at Mizzou J School, I mean, there was this firewall between the advertising people and the editorial right. people, and they both sort of looked at each other contemptuously, and uh, that's that's bad. And and uh, I think in a community newspaper, especially, that's 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 old school. You don't want to still be doing that. So. Yeah, that's not that's not good for the. For the entire paper as it goes out, because I think it reflects that. Then. Well, yeah, and we're all in this together in, in the battle to uh, to to keep print and to keep community newspapers going, and and so that's an attitude that we sort of fostered at the paper. Yeah, I really appreciate your backgrounds and uh, what each of you bring to that development of the paper initially. And Dwight, you're a, a Kansas native or a native of Kansas. Yes, you know the land of Oz, A H S. Not uh, OZ. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pull that one out. Yeah. But uh, you're also you're a poet, and how has all of those experiences growing up on a farm drawn you to the place where you are now and, and in getting the paper going 40 years ago and now looking back and seeing all the things that you've done? I used to think back when I was delivering newspapers, which I did you know, early years for a while, um, and it was a little bit like planting seeds, you know, like sowing wheat out on the farm. 
you know, you're hoping for a good crop. You're hoping for response, you know, to the paper. You're hoping, you know, that that's going to result in more readers, more advertisers, um, which is sort of like, you know, depending on the weather for a, right. for a good crop, you know, out on the farm. For a good harvest, yeah. And Don, you... Uh you still work at Webster University, and you have a. You mentioned you you came from Chicago down down to here, but your teaching also keeps you in touch with uh, what the latest and greatest things are, supposedly. That's true, and, um, and, and it's it, theory and practice combined. It is, and sometimes I think, uh, you know, I, my colleagues at Webster have, have uh, when when electronics came along and. Uh, they were ready to stop all over the grave of print, you know, and we went at it a lot, you know. And I said, it's not going away. Um, if you study just about every medium, when, when uh, you know, radio came along, they thought print was going to be dead. When TV came along, they thought radio was going to be dead. Now, now you have uh, cyberspace and the internet, and we're supposed to be dead. Uh, what you what you see though is is each medium sort of uh, adapts to the new situation. And they don't all go away. I don't think print's going to go away anytime soon, but it's, it's we've changed. And uh, I, we've also got a website, uh, and we, we put the material up there, and we put different material up there. So so we're not complete Luddites, but, but uh, you know, the change is something that you've got to adapt to. And, and uh, it's been fun to be at the, you know, teaching journalism and communication at the university level because they have a different perspective when you're kind of, doing it every day uh, you're still got your foot in 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 the real world of journalism it makes for an interesting tension well it makes for a a, a, a validation of what you're saying mm -hmm. you know because you're actually doing it you can say yeah I, I i was involved with this and we've been doing this for 40 years so you know i have some credibility behind what i'm saying even even though we are a weekly newspaper uh we are still you know with our website, we're able to put you know late breaking news up online, and right. you know we we do we do keep an active an active website where we have we do have late breaking things that that we post or information that we didn't know at deadline you know at press time uh, you know that we that we can put up there. And I'm sure uh, people who have moved out of the area. They still want to stay connected yes. to the area. That's this is one way via the, via the website uh, of the Times to stay in touch. Do do you also send these uh, mail these to people in in a subscription kind of manner? We have a few subscriptions. I mean, our our, our subscriptions are expensive uh, uh, because we <clears throat> we mail we mail first class. Uh, we we used to have third do third class, and that was not very reliable. And uh, so we just upgraded them to what it costs us to mail them. So they, but we we do have a few that people that will spend over a hundred dollars a year for a subscription, a mailed subscription. That's so. great. Now, Dwight, I am reading an old article on you, and one of the things here uh, is what is the question you wish people would ask you, and what is its answer? Uh -huh. So I'm asking you a question. What's what's the question you you would wish, wish that I would ask you, and what's the answer? I think in Dwight's case it would be uh, <laughs> something, something about advertising. Like, hey, uh, 
uh, what what's the frequency discount for a year long ad? <laughs> I think I think he liked that question. You know, I maybe you know. What's the most? I mean, I used to I used to write stories too, and I maybe ask me about the most fun story that I've ever done, or the most important stories that we've ever worked on in the newspaper. Um, one of the one of the most one of the stories I enjoyed doing most was uh, um, the uh, <clears throat> I believe his name was Don Miller, the uh, KMOX uh, traffic, traffic copter, copter yeah. guy yeah. who lived in Kirkwood. So I got to go with them on a traffic report once in the in oh, a wow. helicopter, and, and that was that was uh, hair raising. That was it was really that's the kind of story that I that I really like to do. Once you know, back when we used to do more experiential things, Don worked with the Kirkwood uh, Kirkwood garbage people one for a few hours. Yeah, I rode in the back of a trash truck for a day <laughs> to see what it was like. That's a first-hand experience. Uh, uh, yeah. Amazing going to the yeah. landfill. Bummer. I have to say, um, I uh, had to breathe through a handkerchief. The, but I, but Kirkwood, Kirkwood, when they let me do it, they made me sign all these liability things in case I got caught in the compactor, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how you really understand what's going on and really give life to a story. Yeah, I, I got to I got to ride in the engine of an Amtrak uh, train from St. Louis to Jefferson City once, you know, and kind of under the guise of doing a story about railroad crossing safety, and uh, uh, you know we're very much railroad towns, and right. uh, the. Uh, uh, the late state representative Bud Barnes from Kirkwood uh, uh, arranged that for me. That so I was was able to make that make that trip in the in the engine. Another time I got to ride in the steam locomotive from in the cab of the steam locomotive from uh, out at the transport museum downtown. Uh, that steam cool. locomotive, 1926 locomotive that uh, was operational for a few years and. Uh, they let me blow the let me blow the steam whistle at the Rock Hill Road crossing. I was going to say as you're coming through Webster Groves. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes we do get to do national and global stories, even though we're a little community newspaper. So, you know, when when uh, Bill Clinton came to Webster and George W. Bush came to Kirkwood, uh, we were there with all the national reporters, and we had to get the Secret Service clearance and all all that sort of thing, and we got up close and personal with the presidents. So that's something that uh, you wouldn't normally think a community newspaper would get involved in. William Webster, who's uh, you know head of the FBI, he's a Webster Groves High School grad, so I got to have lunch with him and all of his FBI Secret Service surrounding mm -hmm. us at the table. And sometimes we even go global. Um, I know the military um, asked me one time to uh, go to uh, Bosnia um, and report on local soldiers who are from our area because they come out through Scott Air Force Base. So I got to, to do a flight to uh, Bosnia, and wow. it was interesting. There's a woman in Webster Groves who was a pen pal of all these soldiers on this one base in Tuzla. And she said, hey, you can handle, you know, I, she, she heard about that we were going there. And she goes, hey, you can personally deliver these letters. So here I am in this camp in Tuzla in Bosnia, and I say, are you so-and-so? He goes, no, but he's over there. So I go, well, here's a hand-delivered letter from this woman in Webster Groves. It's right. <laughs> Didn't it's know you were going to be a mailman also. 
<laughs> That's a great story. You're listening to Arnold Stricker of Intune on KWRHLP 92.9. We have uh, Dwight Bittekoffer and Don Corrigan from the Webster Kirkwood Times in here. Dwight, uh, tell us a little bit about your poetry. Uh, you know, I'm always fascinated when uh, with artists and writers like that. Uh, what What is the impetus of why poetry? Why not short stories or... Or why not a novel or something like that? Uh, I guess it's the medium that um, that works for me. Um, I don't written poetry off and on since grade school, um, but I mean I had long, long dry periods too where I wasn't doing anything. Started uh, getting involved in open mics uh, about fifteen years ago. Uh, and just kind of like the feeling of that and, and like the three-dimensional feel of, of words spoken out loud and seeing people react to the words and, and um, you know, this, that performance things. And, the, and that, that led, to, uh, led to teaming up with, uh, with a, a local jazz musician, uh, Raven Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do some things together that we call Poe Jazz, mm-hmm. uh, which is a name borrowed from somebody in Vermont that was doing that kind of thing. But um, um, and you know I, we, we enjoy doing that kind of performance together. We'll be we'll be at the Old Webster Jazz and Blues Festival at the McConnerberg Gallery at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon, September fifteen, and uh, we'll have a couple other poets uh, poet voices with us, and uh, we'll do some performance there for about an hour and a half from 3 to 4.30 at McConnerburg Gallery, 117 West Lockwood. There, there you go. That's a, that's a plug. That's a good one. And, and you know, poetry readings used to be very popular and have kind of, you know, maybe, maybe it's me, but they were very popular in the 60s and 70s, but they kind of died off a little bit unless you went to certain venues, mainly those that were in college towns, uh, like the, the coffee house or something like that, where uh, they would get a, a local artist who was going to perform, whether a music or do a poetry reading. But do you see that coming back a little bit more now? St. Louis has a very active poetry scene. Uh, yes, there are open mics all around town. Uh, there are a number of uh, uh, there are a number of different poetry organizations and poetry communities. I've, I've, I've come to realize there's as many different kinds of poetry communities as there are different kinds of Baptist churches. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, some are more academic, some are more performance oriented, some are, you know, um, you know, try to, you know, be kind of an umbrella organization. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm currently on the board of St. Louis Poetry Center and, uh, cool. uh, and involved with that. And currently board president, which, you know, is, is, you know, beating my head against the wall about, you know, money issues, just like with the business. But, right, right. But uh, uh, yeah, so. That's neat. And Don, you've uh, written several uh, books, haven't you? Yeah, I wrote a show me series of books uh, with Reedy Press. So one was about nature sites in Missouri. One was about uh, uh, the weather, the crazy weather we have in Missouri. And then the other one is on environmental issues, and we have a lot of envir- environmental problems. And, and the newspaper helped me with all of those because I reported on weather, or I reported on nature, or I reported on the environment, and, and um that's been a lot of fun and and uh writing those books has also given me a chance to go out and do signings and it's 
it's it's kind of a labor of love. You don't make a lot of money, but you get a chance to go out and talk to the community and find out what's on their mind. And, and so, so I find that to be a lot of fun. Um, Dwight uh, has his poetry, which I think complements the newspaper and the writing well. And um, I, I do the book writing on the side. And one of the things that's nice about that, too, is I've been able to adapt it to my university teaching. So I use all three of those books for a outdoor environmental journalism certificate that students can get uh, in the journalism area at Webster. So if you had to tell budding journalists something, like a little short statement for them to remember, because sometimes mentors will say something back in uh, a career I remember my high school band director telling me certain things, and you learn certain things that kind of stick with you. What would they be, Don? What would what would you tell a budding journalism student to, uh, you know, so when they're your age, they will go, yeah, that was a valuable piece of information and advice that I received. I would say develop a passion for a beat. You know, uh, beat reporting has sort of been downplayed a lot in recent years, but really. A student should find a passion, whether it's for sports, whether it's for covering the environment, uh, whether it's uh, investigative reporting. Develop a passion for a beat area because um, regardless of what medium the stories eventually go on, the important thing is that you have learned to have some expertise in an area. That's always going to serve you well no matter what, uh, whether we deliver these stories on paper or whether they go out on the internet um that's what's i think most important dwight how about you i would say learn to write well communicate well um learn to use short sentences learn to use to state things in a way that you know Woman sitting in a stoplight at a car is going to understand, you know, in uh, you know a thumbnail sketch, you know, and not, you know, not don't don't require the reader to go all the way through a story to know what the story is about, you know, in in the in the first paragraph, you should have a good idea what the story is going to be about, you know. Now, and a lot of people just get their information from headlines, so it's important that the headline, you know, reflects what the story is about and doesn't mislead or or sensationalize what the what the information is. Thank going you to for be saying that. That was where I was going with that. Is is how do you develop a headline for a story to draw people's attention that really encompasses the entire story in a few short words? course that's where poetry i'm sure comes in because you're doing this very a very similar thing i mean it's challenging and i think we don't always we don't always hit the mark but um um you know and it's dependent on what fits in the space as well so um but you know short words i you know i'd I'd give some uh, and we haven't mentioned our staff people enough but kevin murphy our managing editor comes up with these uh, he's he's a good Irish witty guy, and he comes up with a lot of headlines that I think draw people in. The one thing that I think is regrettable about where we're at now is is that uh, with the internet, it's all about clickbait. It's all about teasing people, and they're usually up you know disappointed when they actually get to the article 
when they've been teased that way. And, and uh, I think we do more traditional journalism um, where we try to be as accurate as possible labeling what the story is about. I, you know, Dwight was talking about uh, uh, being a good writer, short sentences. I, I really get a kick out of uh, proofing the paper with Dwight because I'll get his galleys back. And I, I love the passion that Dwight has about grammar. If somebody's using uh, between when they should be using among, and uh, I'm sure that's very helpful for for a young student journalist to come in and intern, and they see their copy back, and they say, uh, well, you know, that's not played up as much in journalism. It frustrates me that even on national public radio, they don't do that correctly. Uh, she and I. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We dealt with that just recently in our obituaries. You know, even the obituaries are are interesting aspect of the paper. Um, I remember there was a a Kirkwood resident who who wrote this obit about how her mother said, if George W. Bush is elected again, I'm going to die on the inauguration day. And sure enough, her mother did that. And she wrote this long obituary. And and we, we said, well, that's that really doesn't have a place in the obituary section. We're not going to politicize the obituaries. And she went back and forth with us. Finally, she bought an ad and put her mother's obituary with how how she intentionally died on the inauguration day because she oh was gosh. so upset. Oh, my gosh. Those are some of the things that we deal with. The we paper. will always sell ad space. <laughs> yeah, and it's, 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 it's interesting how, how grammar, um, it, it, after a while, it becomes to be adopted and accepted. You know, I was actually her and I. Uh, which you know that didn't fly at all, yeah. uh, and I, I agree with you, Dwight. It's it's a it's a thing that you learn because it's the correct way to speak. It's the correct way to way to write. Although you know it's not being corrected as much anymore. Also, the other big piece of advice: don't rely on spell check. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> read it, proofread it, because you could have a correctly spelled word there that's totally in the wrong. That's place. not the right word. Like the t h e e. Compliment, compliment. Yeah, and the computers drive me crazy because they'll correct stuff for you. Yes. And you'll look at this copy and you go, this is worse than if I didn't have that. Incorrectly correct it, yes. Well, gentlemen, it's been great having you on the show, and I really appreciate you taking time out of your your busy schedules to be here and uh, to talk a little bit about uh, the – the founding of the paper, the 40 years that have gone on a little bit about yourselves and, and giving listeners uh, a glimpse into uh, some behind the scenes at the Webster Kirkwood Times. Thank you very much for coming in, Dwight. Don, Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. You know, it's uh, it's fun to um, to talk to people like, like these two gentlemen and to uh, get insights into who they are and to what makes things tick. And that's one of the things that we like to do on this show. We like to get people to uh, to reflect on exactly what's going on in their community, on some topics and some issues. Some things are a little lighter than others. Some things get pretty heavy. and uh, But at the same time, uh, a community that works together kind of stays together. A community that reads the paper together <laughs> can stay together. And you know what's going on. And, and I think one of the things that, that frustrates me sometimes is that it's, it's tough for people sometimes nowadays to agree to disagree, that uh, many times people have to think that they're right, and they're right at all costs. And what that does is that costs you, and that costs somebody else. And sometimes it costs a friendship, 
And sometimes it, it will it ultimately will cost a community the cohesiveness that it needs to tackle problems that are simple and tackle problems that are complex. So we want you to stay tuned to our second hour. We have um, the emergency management, St. Louis County Emergency Management. Um, the head of that department is going to be in to talk to us a little bit about that and some emergency planning and things that you can do at home and what the county is doing to help prepare to protect us. But uh, stay tuned. If you have any questions for us, you're always welcome to call us, excuse me, text us at 314-736-4510. This is Arnold Stricker of Intune. You're listening to KWRH LP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Stay tuned.